Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have something a little bit different than our usual, but a very, very special episode. As a lot of you know, my dog guy went missing on September 6th. And it was some of the darkest eight weeks of my life, and we weren't sure we were going to get him back. And today, I have the two guests that are solely responsible for him coming back, Brittany Feldman and Jim Tierney. They both have incredible energy, and it's just been... They saved my life. They saved my dog's life. And I'm so grateful to have them on. You can check them out on Instagram at Shelter Chic and The Intuitive Walker. I will have that linked in the bio. Guys, this is going to be a tearjerker and it's going to be deep and I'm so grateful. All right, here we go. Wow. First time in the studio in a long time, guys. It's great to be back. It's good to see you all. Thank you for coming. Today we have a really special episode and it is going to be very emotional and, uh, some things that are going to be talked about sadness. So if that's, you know, crippling for you, just a heads up here, but there's a happy ending. So don't worry. Today, we have Brittany Feldman and Jim Tierney, who saved my dog Guy, as you guys heard in the intro. And I'm so fucking grateful. I mean, it is a miracle story. I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it's, I don't even think Hollywood could write this. And, uh, We'll get to the story, but before we do that, Brittany has a company called Shelter Shelter Chic, and then Jim has the Intuitive Walk. The Intuitive Walk is that a company? Would you say? Or it's just just my business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But first, let's hear a little bit more about you guys before we jump into Guy, Brittany. Sure. Um, So I started Shelter Chic Animal Rescue in 2014 with one of my best friends. Basically, it is a nonprofit dog and cat rescue group. Really, it was started to kind of target people who were buying dogs and cats from pet stores, breeders, and try to, you know, have a different spin on uh, the adoption world. So instead of people seeing like the ASPCA commercials, the tear jerking stuff that made people want to donate, but not necessarily adopt, um, you know, it, it was good for fundraising. All yeah. these like the all the sadness is good for fundraising, but it didn't exactly make people want to welcome those animals into their homes. So shelter- Do you guys have a physical? No, we had a boutique, a nonprofit boutique where we kept um, cats available for adoption. This was a few years ago. It was a donated space for about a year which was awesome. Everything we sold went to the animals. Um, And again, we had like live animals up for adoption there. It was great. Um, But that was only for a year. Now we're solely foster based. Yeah. So the point of it was really to kind of get people who, again, were looking for like specific breeds of cats or I, I, I say dogs mostly, but, you know, dogs and cats and get them to adopt and kind of just like change the stigma around adoption um, and market these animals instead of being like pathetic, sad animals that people feel bad for. You actually want, you realize how great they are, how individual they are. Um, And so with the name and at the beginning, we had a lot of positive advertising, which was just trying to get people. All self-funded or? Yeah. 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 Um, Donations, all all donations. Um, We started raising money before we took in our first animal, just family, friends, just telling them about our idea um, to have a positive spin on animal rescue. And um, yeah, so when we first pulled animals in, we had a good amount of money all fundraised. And again, we're nonprofit. Um, Kickstarter so, crowdsource or just? Uh, no, just we'd had a 
big event that we reached out to people who donated alcohol and space for the wow. for the fundraiser. It was really great. We raised a lot of money before we even started. So and then we just like hit the ground running. So basically, we're nonprofit um, dog and cat rescue group. All of our animals are in foster, um, and. You know, it's it's foster meaning it's temporary. Temporary, yeah. yeah. So when we want to take in a dog or a cat, if we don't have a, we don't have a physical location to place them. So you know, we reach out um, through Instagram, through social media, through friends, our networks, and say, you know, we want to take this animal from a shelter. Do you want to foster them, like temporarily house them while we look for a more permanent home? At the beginning, because of our idea, we did want to take in, and I say like, quote unquote, you know, the more desirable animals, the purebreds and the younger dogs, the ones that people really wanted. Um, So we did that at the beginning. Is that where the sheet comes from? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, that was, we were somewhat competing with the pet stores and the breeders, you know, like we wanted these animals that were highly desirable. Then obviously as you start going into shelters and you see you know, if you have one foster home, you have space for one dog you can take. And there's a puppy that has a ton of applications. People are adopting it. Everyone's fighting over this one puppy. Other rescue groups are trying to get this puppy. Or you have this senior animal who no one wants. And we have this one foster home. Obviously, we are going to, we're not going to fight for that puppy. We're going to take that animal that really needs it. Um, So over the years, we've kind of our mission has still stayed the same to get more people to adopt rather than buy. Yeah. But the animals we've taken in have really changed. Like now we are obsessed with the senior animals, the pities who have a very bad rap. I have a pity. I know Jim has a pity. Yeah. I'm biased towards them. I think personally they're the best breeds. It's, you know, no, pip- lots of people oh, yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, or we take the ones who, you know, need medical care. Yeah. Um, and so now we're kind of more – that's who we're taking. And we have these animals for a while because not as many people want them. Um, and again, it's not the most desirable. But it's kind of just funny how you enter trying to do a certain thing and then your heart pulls towards these, you know, other ones. Yeah. Um, and we have a, a FOSPIS program, which is hospice slash foster. So basically we'll take in animals who – we actually took one in right now. Hopefully he's not technically hospice. Um, but we take animals in that – probably don't have a good prognosis. We don't know how long they have, but they're in a shelter. And instead of dying in a shelter without their family, we put them in a home. And we've taken in phospis animals who have really only made it like 24 hours and then they've passed. Um, But yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. I I love that term, phospis. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole point of it really is this animal was given up probably by its owner. I mean, you assume. Um, And you basically, we tell the fosters like the point is not to get this animal healthy like they're they could be 16 years old they don't have a lot of time left but we'll give them pain meds if they need and just give them burgers and and pizza give them anything they want to eat you know just spoil them take them to the beach if it's you know weather permitting and season whatever um and just like give them as much love as possible and then we will humanely euthanize when, if it's time. Um, and those are the most rewarding, obviously. Um, and again, why use our resources for animals that, you know, adoption can be a competitive thing. A lot of people say, like, you should be adopting animals. And when people want, like, this designer puppy, 
it can be hard to adopt. It can take a while because a lot of people want it. There's a lot of competition for that animal. So we have, over the years, decided to really focus our resources on the ones that need it most. And there are so many. I mean, it's it's really, really sad what goes on there. So so beautiful. More will be linked on her Instagram. Jim, how about you? Um, so the Intuitive Walkers, essentially, I, I run a pet care service in Brooklyn. been doing it for about four or five years. And I started to... Uh, see posters in the area when I was walking about dogs going missing and I would volunteer a couple times and uh, I, I wound up doing about 30 cases where I volunteered not having any idea what I was doing and the same dilemma always came up which was there's a dog out there and it needs to be trapped and we have to get a trapper in here but I couldn't get anyone to come in to Brooklyn to get the dog, which I found very frustrating. Um, is, there, is there a lack of uh... – there's, there's trappers in the surrounding areas. A lot of – there's not a lot of trackers in, trappers in the city. Yeah. I think it's logistics. It's because you know there's so many things that can get in the way of a case. And they want a high success rate. I don't know. They, maybe they don't want to take on a case that would be either – the neighborhoods could be different, like not being able to get into someone's backyard right. with the brownstones and also, you know, not being able to control the environment a little bit more. Whereas if they're in Jersey or in their Long Island, it's it's not easier. If, if actually, it's actually harder. If I look at that, I look at the land and I say, where is that dog? But it's um it's just something that is a different vibe. So what happened is I, um, I decided to get certified at the Missing Animal Response Network and um, – you know, got the traps and stuff and the cameras, and then I uh, ran into my friend. I became friends with Nicole. Uh, her name is Nicole Asher from Buddha Dog Rescue. Which is a Jersey-based company, right? Which is, yeah, 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 which is a Jersey-based. And she is like the one person, like I, like four years ago when I was looking for dogs, I was like, I wanted to know, like I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet her. I wanted to like see if I could train under her anything. It was like your mentor. So she, yeah. But I never met her until like a little over a year ago. Oh, wow. And we, we were on a case together and we became friends and uh, I've learned pretty much everything in the last year from her. Yeah. Uh, but so essentially what the intuitive walker is, is that I use my, I'm also a medium. Yeah. And I've also used- I'm a large. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Man, you're quick. <laughs> essentially, I've, I've used like those abilities sometimes to help uh, missing people and a couple cases I've actually come like a tenth of the mile in the in the situation so I said wouldn't it be cool if I could use that for missing dogs and so that's the whole idea but be behind what I'm trying to do is um, I'm essentially trying to track dogs in the city or in yeah. the surrounding areas trap them but also integrating intuitive abilities or psychic impressions and also for those listening and just so they, they can use you if you do, you do walk pups as well, right? Well, I walk dogs. I'm not taking any clients in the Brooklyn okay. already he's, booked. He's booked up. But but, yeah. <laughs> but it's important to note that the intuitive walker, the reason why I said the I am intuitive, but the walking almost is in a sense a sense of meditation for me with these dogs. Yeah. And I really do feel like I've gotten better at knowing dogs yeah. by walking them. Yeah. So, you know – There'll be days that, like, if I'm, I'm holding someone's leash, and I'll, all of a sudden, you know, I can pick up things from that leash and yeah. stuff. So that's where that whole that name came through. I know it kind of can sound confusing, but no, it's beautiful. Thank yeah. you guys for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no way easy to say this, so I'll jump in. Um, I have been struggling with like post, not even that we're out of it, COVID PTSD. And this summer, I really kind of locked myself in and didn't go out or or do anything. And, you know, I, I got Guy right before the pandemic. So we – I mean he was – he's honestly what kept me from killing myself. I mean it really got that dark as I'm sure maybe it did or did not for some people. And it was Labor Day and I, I was feeling really, really suicidal. And I called my dad and he was like, well, let's – 
let's get you out of the dark, like, you know, bedroom into the light and, you know, bring guy. And so went to the park and we were there for two hours. And um, I had a chihuahua for 15 years before guy. And that chihuahua just like always followed me. And I know there's tons of information on Shibas, but I tend to kind of not take, you know, generic statements. I think every everyone's different. And so this summer, you know, I got maybe, I'm sorry guys, a little cocky and, and idiotic. And when I, we would go out, I would take him off and he would just walk next to me the whole time. So when we got to the park, he was laying on my stomach and I had the leash on him. And after like an hour, I was just like, you know, I just let him off it because I'm like choking him. And so he was laying on me for an hour and I started feeling better and my dad really helped and Guy helped and, uh, you know, just obviously being in the sun for so long, you started to get tired and we were laying down and um, I felt Guy was on my stomach and and then I saw him move to the middle of the blanket and I closed back my eyes and all of maybe five or ten seconds later, someone came up to me and was like, hey, your dog just went behind you to the bushes. And I'm like, oh, Guy's guy's going to the bathroom, you know, so we went, he's like, here, come with me and we just went right there less than 10 feet and then we both looked at each other because we couldn't see him and we were like wait what and then we looked up which is at Lorimer and we saw him running down and then like seven people tried helping and because there he had his color on but he didn't have the leash on I've never seen him run that fast and I had sandals on and I was sprinting and a bunch of uh, amazing civilians who now follow me that got in contact with me tried helping so friends, not civilians. Um, and I had hoped that he would go home. So he kept going down Lorimer and I bolted to home thinking he would go home. But I guess, you know, it was not – I mean at hindsight's twenty twenty, but because people were helping, it scared them and hence the do not chase thing that Jim and you guys can dig into. And that is the day that he got lost. And I want to say also, because I think this is very important, you – because when we had met, which we'll get into, you had said that when he went missing, he had, was microchipped. And a lot of people think that a chip means you can track them. Well, they actually um, call them trackers on the birth certificate, which yeah, is – Yeah, which is such a big problem because I think a lot of people think that and when they I take – Which I did. Them, right, so I'm so glad right. you brought this up. And if up. they let yeah. cats out or um, you know dogs off leash, they think it's OK. They're tracked. And microchips, which I think is so important to say – Microchips are not scanners at all. You have to physically bring the animal in or have a microchip scanner, which like Jim has one, but like vets have one, shelters have one. Um, and then they can track down, hopefully, the owner if the owner is has registered the chip, if they yeah. kept their address up to date. You know, there's a lot of factors, but it's very important to know that if a dog is missing on the loose, a microchip is not going to locate where they are. If there's anything I want people to take out from this podcast, that is exactly that, because the second I got home, I thought I'd get GPS. So yes, Jim. I was going to say I'm also. I, be, I was friends with a vet, and I was trying to help a case where a woman's dog. Uh, she went into the hospital around COVID. She let it. She let the neighbor watch the dog. The dog was sold. They we think for drugs or whatever. So I asked. I said, "Well, she's chipped." I asked my fr- my my vet friend. I said, "Could we find out?" And they said, "No, there's no database. There's no large database that all the vets use." Yeah, like not like a flags. missing person. It's kinda, not like yeah. red flags yeah. are going up. So basically, what it is is. If a, if a person brings a dog into a vet and they don't say – if they say this is my dog, 
these these vets don't have any legal obligation to check even red flags. Even if they know the dog is missing, they don't have any legal obligation to report it. Yeah, which is also which really is insane important. because yeah. it just goes to show you that it has to be the right person that finds your dog that wants to find the owner to take it to the vet and then scan it and say, let's let's find out who's you know if it's not that person, yeah. that chip is useless. Yeah, and uh, I kind of did probably what would be the most obvious thing for. You know, anyone with an iPhone is I, I went on Instagram and there have been so many amazing people out there who, who donated and reposted and, and helped. And I, I really want to thank you all. You brought Guy home and you, you helped me make them. And I'm just so grateful. So I posted and I just was crying. I didn't know what to do. And it wasn't that long before you found me, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I see through Shelter Chic, through our Instagram, you know, I get tagged on certain things. Yeah, and I, hashtags people, when you, when you miss a dog, they, they're very helpful. I don't use them normally. Yeah. So. Ha- hashtags and just like, yeah, like, yeah, hashtags um, and tagging any like accounts that you can find, like anything, you know, yeah. you never know that one person who's going to see it. Somehow I came across that I honestly can't remember, but it was probably on Instagram or maybe next door, the next door app. Yeah. I can't remember, but somehow I saw it and I see, I mean, some missing animals now since Guy, that's like all I see on my I'm feed. I'm sure you guys have been, I, yeah, yeah, which is terrible. Yeah. I mean, but before that, you know, I'm an animal rescue. I never really have dealt with this before, but I somehow came across the poster for Guy and I think – Maybe because he went missing, like, in my personal neighborhood. Um, maybe that's why I felt inclined. I don't know. But I somehow reached out, I think, just to express, like, I was sorry. You were and amazing. Thank you. But I just said, like, I'm sorry what happened or something, yeah. you know, just to get a little more information. Again, probably the first time I've done that. Um, and then hearing, you know, how difficult it was for you, how much pain you were in. I mean, obviously, as someone who does... Those who know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't drink or do drugs anymore. So I was uh, already in a dark place. And that just brought me to, you know, a place I never hoped to go again. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And as someone who does animal rescue, I mean, an animal being... An animal suffering is painful for for me it makes me suffer and then seeing a human suffering missing their animal that also just completely pained me and somehow i just kind of said like let me help you you know and i i did some flyers i thought hey like maybe if we get a big piece of poster board and walk around the neighborhood that he was missing in so that's how we kind of hooked yeah up. i do want to say because like it is amazing out there i never would have met jim i never would have met Brittany. If it weren't for social media and there were so many kind strangers that reached out that are now very dear friends like both of you and she messaged me and was so helpful and was like, you know, let's do posters and walk around and I didn't really, you know, like I associate that with car washes, you know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, so she's like, let's meet at this deli and and I was like, sure, you know, anything helps because I want to shout out Flash Blue Printing who really helped me print a lot of flyers for – a lot less because they were color than it, it should have cost. And uh, I thought we were just going to hang flyers. And this amazing woman had not one but two posters made. And I was first time meeting her, like decorated guy missing. And I was just like in the darkest place in my life. And it was just this like shining radiant energy of like we're going to get him back. And it buoyed me, man. You know, like I just – 
I was like, wow, this is okay. All right. Maybe maybe I will get him back. Yeah. Well, the thing is walking around, my, my thought was that while you're hanging flyers, some people are going to notice. They're going to look at what you're hanging, but a lot of people won't. And if you're walking around, like you said, literally like a car wash, like someone advertising something with I – just, I just got poster board and printed out a, a big thing of Guy's poster and just wrote all over it. But if you're walking down the street holding something, everyone's looking and then cars are – you know, it's like it's advertising, which, you know, Jim and I have talked about. Um, but while we're walking down in the park, in McCarran Park, people are stopping us and looking and yeah. taking pictures. And Stopping but, you. I'm not no, as good looking as you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. what, it, it makes it, you know, so as you're hanging flyers, if you have this poster board, it's really getting more people to look. And you need that one person to look. But so we, we did that, I think. Um, and that day, you know, there had been a couple sightings. There, I think at yeah. this point we hadn't contacted Jim yet. No. Um, and there had been some sightings. Um, so we were thinking he really was centered around McCarran Park where he went missing. A lot of people, oh, I know about Guy or, yeah. you know, but nothing concrete. I was doing 300 flyers a day, people, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It, I mean, every yeah. – yeah. And I'll just say at the end of all this, there were people coming up to me or like – messaging me on social media saying they've never seen so many flyers for one dog and like everyone in the neighborhood I mean at least that I spoke to like knew about Guy it was really really incredible actually there was a guy who I helped uh, with his Sheba a few months before who texted me the image of Guy the poster on the Upper East Side of Manhattan yeah, I yeah. did because like, there was a phantom yeah, sighting up there. on it. <laughs> <laughs> did you find that missing Sheba? Uh, yeah. Well, that he was. It was about a day, but that Sheba, yeah, he yeah. was up in yeah. Rockefeller University. Wow. And uh, so about a week in, there was, as Brittany mentioned, there was a, there were sightings, but uh, as the tracker doesn't work, there was really no way of knowing where. He could have gone or might be hiding, you know, and uh, so pretty quickly, Brittany mentioned that there – I didn't even know there there were trackers and trappers that could help with this and you were the one who uh, brought the idea to the table but I didn't know where to go and so you brought Jim into the fold. Can you talk about yeah, how- yeah, so we had luckily, knock on wood, we had only had one dog ever go missing from us and that was a dog who we worked with another rescue. Um, the dog was from Puerto Rico and – and within the first, you know, hour of being home, she had gotten away out of her leash. We take mostly like New York, New Jersey local animals. And again, knock on wood, fortunately, we don't really have this issue. But some rescues who take from the south, who take from um, Puerto Rico, you know, islands, these animals are really freaked out in the city um, and they can easily slip out of their collar, slip out of their harness and get away. So other rescue groups deal with this a lot more. And so on my social media, a few people had said, why don't you try contacting a dog tracker, which I and a lot of people uh, mentioned Buddha dog rescue. Um, So I had messaged her, Nicole, and said, you know, maybe we should start looking into this. Um, and she had messaged me, I think, or called, I can't remember, but she had said she was very busy, but she knew someone locally who, um, and she mentioned Jim, um, who could help. And so I think I gave you, Ryan, Jim's number. Yeah. And I'm obsessive, so I think I also called him you separately yeah. on the yeah. side. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Jim was amazing. And uh, I, it, it's something beautiful out of something kind of dark. There are cameras that people use for hunting, right? Yeah, tra- the trail cameras. There's yeah. A, and they're 
there's you know they've gotten better over the years, but um, you know there's cell cams. They can some of them can go live video to your phone. Some of them can go just pictures to your phone. Um, I have a few of those for the trapping scenarios, but what I did was I was looking for a cat named Norbert about a year ago, and I wanted more cameras and these smaller cameras, and they were kind of like a little less expensive. Yeah, they're SD cards, so I bought about thirty of them, and I decided, what if we had more cameras in different areas and high probability areas? Could we get sightings? Um, and it does work. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but it, it gives it it gives us when there's nothing else going on. It's a proactive experience where you can go out and like look totally. And um, so that's what I did. So I, I I I think I had no more than fifteen at the most with Guy, but I would put out those cameras along Kent Avenue. Yeah, day day one we met and we did four. Uh, yeah, we did four all, yep. all around where he was based. And mm-hmm. I also want to shout out a thing called Liquid Smoke, which I did not oh, know that's about. Nicole, that's all Nicole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the yeah, liquid smoke is going to, you know, we lure the the dog to the camera through feeding stations and liquid smoke. Yeah. So, um that's what we did. So yeah. so I had like, you know, if I had 15 cameras, I had 15 little Ziploc bags of hot dogs and um, you know, a little bit of kibble and then some spray, you know, yeah. some of the spray. And I lock them to the gates of construction sites sometimes. A lot of times I don't even ask because most of the time, if I had to ask on every location, I'd never get, get anywhere. Yeah. So sometimes they're stolen. Like in the one case, the the one was smashed into pieces. But that's just – that's it. I've, I think I've lost close to 20, 25 cameras wow. this year. And so I keep replacing them. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. And so it was um, about a – you know, this was September. So there was about two weeks of, of, of nothing and – you know, I mean, everyone was still hanging flyers and doing that, but I, I had gotten really dark, and it was uh, the morning of September 22nd, and at that point, I had just kind of been like, well, I'm never getting him back. He could be dead, and there were nine sightings in one morning, and <laughs> yeah. I called both of you, and uh, at that point, he had started uh, kind of closer to uh, – Metropolitan and uh, Roebling and worked his way through McCarran towards you and Greenpoint and we kind of all met up and started a perimeter and yeah, I don't know. So that's – yeah. So yeah. I, I so we we decided he was either by the water lines or there was those empty lots up on um, West Street. Is that West Street? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they filmed Billions. Thank you, Billions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who don't know I had cameras in <laughs> yeah. their lots for like three nights. Yeah. But essentially, like they, you know, I put about roughly seventy to seventy-five cameras in the course of those two weeks yeah. to see if we can get a sighting. And what I, what happened is, I believe he moved more directly towards East Williamsburg by following the waterline. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what you know. But we couldn't get to those neighborhoods because some of those neighborhoods were kind of not good to be in at night. So yeah. I couldn't really put the cameras there. Um, and and I'll just say also what was frustrating about all this obviously for everyone involved is that you're getting a sighting you know you're trying to to track down when was the sighting what time was this like looking at a map where could he have been and then also throughout this whole thing there's a lot of unfortunately again there's a lot of missing yeah animals, i would like to, to uh dig in and give a big fuck you to all the evil people because i i i want everyone who Maybe listening to this, whoever has a missing dog, people will call you or text you and tell you they have your dog. And some are even uh, – I don't want to use the word smart, but uh, tedious enough to find photos that resemble and are being like, yeah, come here. Um, you know, I just need 
you know, somewhere like 250 to 1,000. And when you're really sad and, and really hopeful to get your dog back and there have been sightings that people, you know, obviously through social media, you give away a lot that people are enough to like, oh, I can kind of fake this up and, and stir this guy. So I had about 20 of those, you know. And Scammers. Yeah, yeah. People trying to scam. You. Yeah. So be really careful of that. And I, there are tons of people that told me to kill myself, you know, because I'm public about the sober thing and relapse. And it was so dark. And, and both you guys, after we did not get him on that day, there were eight sightings. But neither of you guys gave up hope. And, and Jim, you know, you were the guy that really hung the flyer thing home, physical flyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I just knew that if, if, if I'm trying to do cameras, everyone's eyes is a camera, you know, and there's a bunch of people around the city. Yeah. Someone's going to see the dog. And, and I think flyers work better than social media because. Fully agree. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah. do. And I think it's because when you're walking down the street, rarely do you have a phone in front of your face to the point where if you're seeing something, like if you see a, a poster, you're going to give it your full attention. And it means that you're not going to be as distracted with texts and stuff. Yeah. And I just feel like that's kind of why these flyers are working. Yeah, because they're just they're they're putting it in an advertising space that has become so ancient that people do less of it. So there's less competition for the mind. Yeah. And for those listening, you know, I the guy thing ended up costing about nine thousand. And that's because, you know, I I printed probably four thousand, you know, color flyers. And there are a lot of services that I used online. You know, um, I'm going to talk shit about them, so I won't name them. But they have good intentions, and they're very expensive, 500 you know, 1000 to put your dog missing is like the first one that people see when they log in. And then also just doing other like social media ads. And um, all of that, you know, feels because like you're working with a company, you know, there's this kind of like, okay, well, then they got it. But it's a very expensive Utile. I mean, maybe the, maybe in some cases they are really helpful, but uh, it did it did bring eyes to it. There were a lot of people that I do believe use those services and just look on them like who have good intentions. Like, hey, I saw your dog. I'll, I'll keep an eye out and message me. But uh, ultimately, none of those are what brought guy home. And at this point, two weeks had gone by and, and there was no sightings. I feel and, like it was three weeks of yeah, no was, sightings, something like yeah, that. Yeah, about three even a, weeks. A month, maybe, and, and so crazy. we had no idea whether he was in Greenpoint, McCarran, or, or at this point, which most people kind of thought, you know, I always believed that he wasn't dead, that he, I, I thought someone would take him, you know, and, um, and that's kind of what I thought. But... Yeah, so we we just kept doing flyers and, um, you know, the day that he went missing, one of the last sightings was at uh, Bushwick and Grand and there's some public houses adjacent to there and, you know, for the first few weeks I was going there morning and afternoon, not night, and uh, handing out flyers, posting them and because that was where his last known sighting was the day he went missing. And, um, you know, it was a little scary because there they're like, look, man, dog that nice here. You know, people, you know, they'll, they'll trade that for drugs or, you know, they'll keep it, you know. And um, so I'd like to kind of maybe talk a little bit about the reward element for those that are, you know, I started small and people donated and eventually it went up to 2000 for Guy. What are your guys' thoughts on people who missing pets? And putting rewards. No, don't do it. Yeah. You don't do it because it gets people to chase the dog. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, 
they, there's actually been a study where um, the the side of the brain that's altruistic and the one that wants you know rewards. Um, they're two separate parts of the brain, so only one will dominate. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm paraphrasing. But essentially that if you wrote, please help, it will it will do pretty much the same thing as if you write reward. Yeah. Because it's gonna and it's gonna bring out the, the person that really does want to help. And it's not gonna bring out the person who wants to chase and catch guy, which we experienced. Yeah. And and that's why you could because you could get a dog killed if you do it that way. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I deferred to Jim on this because he, he would know more about that. But I do think it led to the... It hurt us more it, than it helped. Yeah, because yeah. I think in Guy's case, I mean, Guy's, a, you know, dogs go missing. It, when when you were... I was kind of giving you reassurance. I didn't think anyone had taken him because from... I had never met Guy, but from what you had said, he was skittish. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone was going to be able to catch him, which is... Again, it's like a blessing and a curse. You yeah. know what I mean? If if a dog goes missing that's very friendly, the hope is that they take them in, they treat them well. Maybe they take them to the vet. Maybe they look for the owner. Um, but, you know, at the very least, they love them and give them a good home. The worst case scenario, which is where my dark head goes to a lot, is that someone have, has very bad intentions with yeah. an animal, um, which I can't even go into because it's it's too horrific to think about but um so my hope was like he's definitely out there but as jim said when there is a reward and it's a very scared dog then that will lead to chasing and that's not what you wanted to do in which guys which what i want to mention that it's it's very difficult because almost everything that we would do for like a child if a child was running towards traffic or if a child we would try and stop we would try and control. We would try, but it actually is counter. It's it's counterintuitive to do the right thing in a sense because we're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Because they can outrun us. You know, Shivas can run up to twenty three miles an hour. Yeah. And they're 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 they can go around things. I mean, their their agility is just ridiculous. So, yeah. um, to even try and catch a dog is is useless. So yeah. I always thought. When I was out trying to track dogs, I'd be like, oh, what if uh, what if there was a way to stop the dog before it got in trouble? It's like, no. The best thing you can do is leave the dog alone yeah. until it gets into a Which quiet Which is counterintuitive to most people. Yeah. 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 You just leave it alone because you want it to calm down and it will stop running. It will find some area to relax in. And that's why you don't want to ever post social media. You don't want to post the sightings of the dog as you progress because it, it gets people to who do want to help yeah. with great intentions. But they're actually getting in the way of the actual case. Right. And a lot of people would say when I was hanging flyers, they said, um, you know, why don't you just get the, the owner to come to the last place and as – Jim had taught me at this point and as which I'm sure for Ryan it being your dog is so hard to understand as Jim said these dogs are like feral at this point they're on the run just for those listening can you explain yeah. what that means like they're wild yeah. they're trying to yeah. survive yeah. their adrenaline is high so you know again a different type of dog might see their owner recognize it immediately and run up to it the in Guy's situation, he's not going to recognize you, Ryan. He's not, you know, he um, it he's in this heightened state. Um, so, yeah, as you're saying, counterintuitive. Everyone was just like, get just get the owner, have him come here, and everyone, <laughs> you know, means well. But and this is that, the first, yeah, that yeah. happened in the one of the Sheba case in in the spring with the one in Rockefeller Center. I was talking to the owner, and the security guard was on the phone, and he said. The dog's over there. You can't tell me to tell people that they can't walk there. And he said, my dog's over there. And the security guy said, well, go get your dog. Just go get the dog. Yeah. I'm going to go get the dog. And we were pleading with him to leave it alone. It was a very scary situation because it was right by – you know, it could have run right out into the road. Yeah. And so we had to calm – 
we basically we you know he got the dog back, but it was all about um, let's just control the situation, let's get it. It's it's this 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 almost like idea in our brain that we can control something, and yeah. Rather than understand their PTSD, the dog's going through like a panic attack. Totally. If you've ever gone through a panic attack, you know it's you're not going to try and control. Yeah. It's a very horrible thing to experience. And and at this point, you know, it had been three weeks and. I was feeling very dark and very despondent, but you guys mentioned that we should redo the flyer and get rid of the reward. So we redid – you redid the flyer with the do not chase and then ultimately we redesigned the whole flyer and I didn't have my number on it for a while because of you know the craziness and then I did put it on there and we started hanging those flyers and um it's you know i guess the nature of dogs uh, you know people even look alike there were about six different dogs uh six shibas i should say <laughs> that looked identical to mine that people were so confident as was i just because when you're that dark that were mine and so i got messages and there were about six different times where the, even the person who had found the dog was like, I think this is your dog. A and red collar yeah, or something. Red yeah, red collar, you know, oh, wow, same yeah. coat, same height, same weight. And uh, none of them I, I went to see, which I'm, I'm glad I didn't because I probably would have done something stupid. But, uh, you know, the, the etiquette is we'll take them to a vet and get them scanned. And on every six, it's uh, all six, it was someone else's dog. And so – I was really bombing at this point. And um, I think about a week had gone by where I just – at that point, I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to do. And I was still in contact with you guys and Jim was still doing flyers and you were incredible about posting. And um, I was at work and uh, my father had gotten a call from uh, – one of the very first flyers I ever hung that someone found a dog that looked just like ours in a loading dock. And because I was at work, my dad went and it was Guy. And You assumed it was Guy. It yeah, turned out yeah, to be him. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we assumed it. I mean, uh, my dad was able to identify because he knows him and, and I thought. And then, uh, you know, my dad sent me a video. So the first thing I did was contact you and, and, and contact you. And... <laughs> So you want to explain what happened? It was always so much fun because it's like – I think it was a fr – was it a Friday or a Thursday? It, it was, was a, a Wednesday night. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Really? OK. So maybe it's because I kept going after – oh, but basically I was coming home from work and I was like – it's always like – it, And it was – I also want to say this was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. Well, your dad contacted me and I said, come, pick, come get me in 20 minutes. I'll have my stuff. And we went up to there and I set everything up. And I think by nine or so we were pretty set up. Yeah. And then I, I contacted you. And I said, you know, apparently he's here and, and he came across the camera and we kind of were like, it's him, it's him, it's him. And we wanted him to go to a trap, but it was – the environment was so busy. But we had to crawl under a semi-tractor trailer to set the trap yeah. in, in a back lot. And the people were working. Yeah. And the it, it's like a open. grocery store facility. Yeah, food processing plant. Okay. I think. So it's like an indoor-outdoor Factory, but there's a lot of loading, dock. unloading yeah, on semi. Yeah, and yeah. both of those sides were open. Yeah, I mean wide open. So yeah. if you did the wrong thing and he wanted to take off, it could have happened. So we we kept it calm and I and I stayed. Um, and basically, your you know, dad and I we waited for a little bit, and then I stayed probably till about two in the morning or three in the morning, and I had to go back to get. I just I had to go get my dog because my dog's you know sitting at home. Um, so the trap basically was there. 
Uh, but the trap wasn't set. So that was because if you, anything goes in the thing, it'll close. And yeah. So I knew I wouldn't be able to get there in time for that. So the trap wasn't set. But then with the cameras were running. So the next morning, um, I think we started – I started to see feet. And people moving my gear, which is not uncommon. On camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People will pick up my camera. Because at at this point, we should say, because we were pretty confident, you used a live camera for the first time. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. 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 And I knew that these – and then at one video, I saw guy run by, but I saw feet and I heard the video and it was everyone surrounding him and screaming and trying to chase him. And I remember I called you and I said, guys, get over there as soon as possible. I paid an Uber, $20 cash to try to get there as fast as possible. And And then we got there and I'm just going to say they totally fucked it. A you know the trap was set. They that was the exact thing you texted. Yeah, it was like they fucked it up. Yeah, well they had a broomstick with a fucking rusty wire where they were trying to grab him out, and you know it was one of the first flyers, so it did have the reward on there. And I don't know what their intentions, whether they were good or bad, but there was about nine of them, and. They scared him out and they also moved your cage. Yeah, the trap. Yep. And uh, they grabbed the dog and and did put him in there, right? Yes. Kind but of threw th- him in, yeah. Threw him in, but then he got out and He got out and because he got out because the thing on the, the ring on the left side was busted. Yeah. And he pushed out. Yeah. Which was in a lot of ways kind of I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna say it was uh I guess it would have been great to get him sooner, but yeah, that's yeah. why he got out. Well, it was a bummer because we, we thought for sure that morning, like we were, you know, planning our lives as if guy was going to come back that day. And when that happened, our rage at that, you know, those workers and, and, and to be honest, their attitudes were kind of cavalier. It was a little I just, like. I just want to interject for one second. Like from my perspective, so I, so I think it had honestly been close to four weeks of like nothing. It was, you four, know, it, it was, it was yeah, four, yeah. Before, between, you know, between sightings at this point. Um, and I didn't know any of this until that night. Jim sent me a video of Guy walking across. I was like, is this, you know, I thought it was just like another dog he's showing me. And I was like, what? This is Guy? Like, it was crazy. I went to sleep that night, no, like thinking. All thinking the same. Right, I'll we, wake we, up, yeah. Guy will be found, whatever. And then I wake up, I get a text from Jim, like saying, like, he's gone, he's gone, they blew it. And it was just like, and again, this isn't my dog. I've never met him, but this like, it was so dejecting, so crushing. But I do want to say that the workers, you know, there was a really great guy, and uh, I don't they, know if I want to – should we say his name? I, no, you know, I but there was – the guy who called is a great guy. But he works overnight, and I yeah. think what's tricky is there's so many people in and out. And again, you don't know how many people are doing it for the reward. You don't know how many people are doing right. it to help. You don't know how many people are doing it because they don't want a dog hanging around their food processing Which plant. is what I interpreted. They just did wanted the dog – like one of the guys was yelling at me like, I tried calling animal control. It's your fucking dog. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you know, like you're not seeing the posters everywhere. Yeah, there was a range of people working there, I think, like some with good intentions, some with bad intentions. But it was an uncontrolled situation where, you know, you just need a quiet space and it was chaos. And I will say that usually when you set a trap, if you're going to have a trapper there and it's and it's basically you're going to have the cameras there. The idea after the trap is not set is to keep it open with the bungee cord and then have the actual food in there so the dog can go in there and get comfortable. That environment was so horrible because yeah. the morning time, everyone was coming in. It was, so the, it it was, was like impossible Times to like, Square crazy. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's like yeah. trying to catch a dog in Times Square. Yeah. And, and uh, so I was 
so fucking angry. You know, I, I, I was pretty close to going there with a baseball bat, but uh, <laughs> both of you talked me out of that. And um, but we thought we thought they said like he's he's gone. They, well, no, they 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 did say they maintained. Uh, he's, they, they thought, you know, hey, man, he's not there anymore, but we didn't see him run out, you know, which was a vague like, well, then, you know, and we all looked around and couldn't see him. But then about 10 minutes in after this event, um, we got there 10 minutes too late, you know, by the time they scared him, we had gotten a phone call that there was a Shiba sighting in Ridgewood. And we, you know, Jim mentioned, you know, because it was about two miles from that location that they could get there that fast. And uh, and I was de- I, w- I was hell bent that that was him. because because yeah. it had so- a red collar. Not and- only that, but just the the timing of yeah. it was like ten minutes after these guys are chasing him. I'm saying four then, weeks of no sighting. I said yeah. this has to be the dog. Yeah. It has to be him. Yeah. And uh, so I went back to. Flash printing and uh, printed 750 more flyers, and Brittany and I met up. And the we, next day, so that was the, Friday. Was so, that not the yeah, same no, day? It, it was the next day. Okay. So, so at that point, I think we, we were, were back to square one. Right. It's like okay, we're starting the search again. Part of us are like, do we focus with in? some hope this time, knowing that right, yeah. some, some hope, but then su- being so low after Broken. All, uh, all of that happened, and then again, you're kind of like, are we going to focus on this area which he's been living in for at least a few days, maybe a week? Who who knows how long? Yeah. But he had been there for a few days, so without giving like, my address away, was. A half mile away from my apartment. Yeah. So yeah. we're like, okay, should we focus on this place? Then also there was a, she- a sighting in Queens two miles. So then again, it's like, oh my God, like you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Needle we- in a stack of needles. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, are we going to focus in Queens now? Are you f- going to focus on this? And I think at the end of this, we should definitely say like – a list of things to do. But, you know, we post on Nextdoor. We post on social media. A few people offered to hang flyers in Queens. And social um, media people, all the actors from the show were great about reposting. And everyone, I think, you know, even though we were dejected, everyone else was reinvigorated. Like, he's I still think, out there. I, I think he's everyone alive. at that point was yeah. like, dude, get over your dog. He's gone. Or, you know, at that point, people were like, because Jim gave me the footage and I posted it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that... For people that weren't the owner of the dog, they were like, dude, your dog's out there. But I was like, no, we should have had him. And so it's Friday, we met up and I posted for volunteers to help hang flyers. People did it on their own time, but no one met us. But you and I met a block away from that, um, from where he had been. And we did like a big radius of hanging flyers. And again, this is like a very industrial area. So it's like, it's a perfect place to hide. But also, how do we find him? He's not going to come out, you know, so it was tricky. But again, it's kind of like, did he run this far? Did he not? So we were also when we were hanging flyers in that area looking at places because Jim that night, Friday night, was going to be setting cameras in that neighborhood. We thought, okay, maybe he's in Queens, maybe he ran to Queens, but let's also focus on this area in case he comes back, in case he's still here. So we were sending Jim, like I was sending Jim, like pictures of locations that I thought. Which is Ridgewood, you know, not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but of that that area um, in East Williamsburg of like um, lots that I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we did think to take photos of lots. Yeah, so like maybe he's hiding somewhere in here. So that night, Friday night, Jim set cameras um, 
around that neighborhood. Yeah, that which was an interesting night because it, everything went wrong. I uh, the battery on the on the bike with the gear was so heavy I couldn't get everything around. So yeah. I had to go back. I had to get a car after the car it was one thirty. I said, "Oh, I'm, let me just step all night." Because if I put the cameras out, I'm going to pick them up in the morning. I might as well just stay up. Yeah. So I basically put the cameras out and I was sitting in front of that warehouse yeah. with the gate shut and I was like just sitting there for like an hour or so. Because they're closed on the weekends. They're closed. There was nothing going yeah. on. And that's when I started to look through the footage. And The footage part, from the night before. Right. When at, at, at this point, it's Saturday and you text me and I wasn't sure why. You're like – do you have a phone number of somebody at that facility? So, well, because you, so first you had been Friday all night, oh, technically Saturday morning, um, a.m., 5 a.m. Jim is going through the footage from when Guy was spotted. Um, when the guys chased him when out. When the guys yeah. chased Where him. All you're seeing is feet. Yeah. And I kept thinking, let me go through it and see if I see anything. And I didn't see anything, um, but it was the last video the last – there was a little movement that I saw and I, I decided to zoom in on it thinking it was a tail. At this was, point, we're gonna I'm going to insert all this so you guys can see it as yeah. it's so narrate now there's visuals here. Yeah. So I thought it was a tail yeah. and then I was like, no, it's not a tail. Um, it's a foot. And then I was like, I don't understand what I'm looking at. And then I zoomed in and I saw – after I, I blew out the camera, I saw – I saw a guy's face to the left in his body. Now, I was at first saying, is this, is this me creating yeah. this? Because it's not but, – but that's a Shiba. I mean I, I could feel it. And basically I st- – We should say you had not told me any of this. No, I didn't yeah, tell you Yeah, Ryan knew yeah. nothing about yeah. this. So I was like thinking – I spent an hour and I said it could be the camera, the way the camera looks. I see a flash. So what it was is there was a layer of glass over overlaid in the area where Guy was. So yeah. behind him, when the camera went off, I saw the flash of the camera over Guy's face. Yeah. That's why I didn't know what I was looking at. So I started to say – one of the things that I did is I said, look at Guy's image and and I know that I could look at that and say, that's Guy. And I, when I looked back on the other image, energetically, I knew right away I was looking at the same. Yeah. Whether, so I showed Brittany and I showed people. I don't know if Brittany really trusted me. So, but. I mean, if the image is people can see what yeah. this image is. I mean, he sent me this picture and at first I'm like, he's seeing things yeah. like this is not him. He's, you know, this, it can't be. It's not even is this guy or not. I was like, is there anything there? And to the naked eye, it's like. It's really hard to see. And then Jim had, um, you know, lightens up the picture, like, you know, did all these effects on it, not changing it, of course, but like doing it so you could see different things. And he showed and he was like, I think he's I think this is him. I th- and this is the same place that he had been hiding that he we thought he was scared out of. Two, but it two was, minutes after they they he escaped the trap. Right. So That's he looked the, at the time and it was like this this thing that we think this is him. This is a few minutes Two minutes after they chased him, he's still in that lot. So Jim is messaging me. This is Saturday morning again. We're like, do we tell Ryan about this? We said no because we could not risk telling Ryan, getting his hopes up. Like, you know, so we're like, we got to just do this on our own because we didn't, you know. Um, So, yeah, so Jim sends that and and he's like, I think this is him. I said, I see what you're talking about. Maybe ask other people for an opinion as well. And and I did. And every single person says, I don't see it. Yeah. The only other person that saw it, which meant everything to me, was Nicole from Buddha. Yeah. She saw it and said, I see the face of a dog. And I said, thank you. I know what I'm – and so I just kind of felt like – if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't know if he's still going to be there because yeah. those gates could have been up, but he could still be stuck in there with no food and water. Yeah. So the yeah. So the situation is if if he did that, that would have been Thursday morning. 
that that video was from Thursday morning. Right. So at this point, it's Saturday morning, and the lot was closed. That area was closed. The gates were closed, completely shut over the weekend. So we're thinking if he's still in there, hopefully he didn't leave from Thursday. Hopefully he was spooked enough from what happened, you know, with the guys catching him and and chasing him that he hunkered down and stayed there and he's petrified. Um, So we thought it's if he's there, it's good because the gates are closed. It's going to be quiet. He'll be comfortable. He'll settle down from the adrenaline rush of everything. Um, And we're thinking, okay, the place is going to open late Sunday night. But Jim and I are talking and we're like, he has no food there. What if he's not there and he somehow can get in through a small hole that we can't, you know, we're like, we got to get in there while it's quiet, while no one is there. So that's why I was texting you, Ryan, without telling you why. I was like, do you have the number of any of the guys who work there? Can we call? Can we, you know, and again, like these people were in, it turned out they were extremely helpful. The guy who originally spotted him was extremely helpful. Um, But some of these people, they're running a business, you know, they're like, we don't have time. We we don't care about this. Um, But luckily, so I had been leaving messages on the company's thing saying, can we please get in there? Can someone let us in? And then I texted the original guy, the original worker who had called you with the initial spot, which again, he is the one, this all comes down to him. Completely. Because, um, you know, he's the one who actually like made the call and brought your dad that night and um, confirmed that it was him. And he was, he's an animal lover and whatever. We'll talk about him in a minute, but um, you know, he doesn't really speak English. So I'm using a a translator app to communicate with him saying like, can we please get in here? Like, when can we get in? Um, and he said he'll be there Sunday morning. So again, this is Saturday morning. He said he'll, this is Saturday night at this point. And he said, I'll be there Saturday, Sunday morning at 8 a.m. I'll open it up for you, which was extremely nice. And so Jim and I had a plan. We were going to meet there at 8 a.m. Sunday morning with the trap, with everything. And again, this is all assuming that this image of guy that only Jim could see. Yeah. Or not, you know what I mean, like the extremely difficult to see. We're like, this is assuming he's there. Um, and I had to get the trap from you guys. Yeah. By saying there's another dog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got the trap yeah, of your dad's yeah, car. Yeah. And so. Uh, so Sunday morning, we go there. But Saturday um, night, they called and said it's available. And I said, you said, can you go there tonight? And I said, no, I can't. I'm just so tired. Right. I'm so then so in the tired. middle, in the middle of the night, right. So in the middle of the night, um, the owner of the place or the manager calls me and he's like, you can actually get in there now. I can get the code if you want. And I'm thinking, oh, the nighttime is so much better than the morning. Yeah. I texted Jim. Jim was sleeping. He didn't get it. Um, you know, and then he responded when I was sleeping and was like, I can't go in the middle of the night. And again, how how was he going to get the trap? I was going to go. I would have gone, but I was literally like so spent from the night before staying up all night. So I just had to get sleep. And yeah. it works perfectly because Sunday morning, even though it was the daytime, which in my mind, I'm like, oh, nighttime is better no one was there so we meet in the morning with the trap with everything again ryan has no idea about any of this we go we go to the place he originally um had been hiding he's not there we're like looking around and again like i guess we can show images of what the lot looks like you know we're looking under these things and we're like okay he's got to be in here somewhere hopefully we don't know but we pray he's here we're just gonna have to look outside and then the original guy the the worker who originally said when i walked in he, they have not seen one sighting of him yeah right 
Right. So, and this is the guy who originally called. This yeah. is the guy who originally saw the flyer. This is the guy who has texting with my translator app, you know, who was so kind and amazing. And he comes over to me and Jim and he says, there's fresh pee and poop in an indoor part of it. So it was like an indoor outdoor yeah. warehouse thing. Again, like we have pictures of yeah. all this. And he says, there's fresh pee and poop in this indoor place. And we're like, oh my God. And I said to him, yeah, what did I say to him? I, don't I said, "How do you know it's fresh? Do you have like an app?" Yeah, yeah. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Yeah. And I'm thinking, of course, again, my cynical mind is like, "It's a stray cat," or yeah. like, you know, "How do we know this is guys pee and poop?" We're like, "Okay, this must be him." So we go in there, and the guy who who helps us, he's working inside, so he's busy. He's really generously like coming out and giving and talking to us, but he has to go back inside. So then he leaves. We're looking under this, um, we're looking under all of these crates, which are so thin and tiny. And Jim thinks he sees them at one point. I used an endoscope. So, endoscope sort of looked around, saw him. I knew basically that he was here. Yeah. But then he slipped away. And so, um, essentially, I, 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 Brittany went under all the pallets, found him in the back pallet. He was underneath the pallet, which was very difficult to get because we were trying to feed him bacon for an, about 45 minutes. Yeah. He wouldn't come out and he would growl anytime he came near. So our idea was we're going to have to put the trap in one direction and use it as a crate. Um, and then essentially what ha- wound up happening, we had to take all the boxes off of the pallet. Yeah. And he was going under the boxes as I was lifting them up. Like yeah. So the very end, I'm like, you know, there he was and he was like shaking and I slipped a uh, um, catch pole over his neck very easily. He let me. And then the moment I kind of tightened it. To get him the walk, he lost his mind and started yeah. to like trying to bite and, and yeah, yeah. And Jim led him. And at this point, we were lo- we locked ourselves like in this warehouse because again, we're like if he darts out, like we can't lose him again. Like we gotta stay in this enclosed area. So Jim is like leading him into the trap. He loosens it, and for a second, which I swear is like the longest like five seconds of my like my life, I see him. Um, dash out for a second but luckily i think he ran right into jim's foot or jim's leg and jim was able to like like he had nowhere to go except yeah. into me and in, into jim or into the trap so he went in the trap luckily we tightened it and we put bungees on i mean i was like i we, I, I still was so paranoid yeah. that he was going to get out it was yeah. so scary that's it that's the and, story and, and at this point we called right or we sent ryan a picture yeah now here is the video of the reunion and you guys saved my life you saved my dog's life and you were, I mean, brilliant enough to film me coming up, and it's just <laughs> well, so. Jim told me to do that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, he did recognize me. Yeah, and- he had been. He was growling at us like he wanted nothing to do with Jim and I, and we had warned you he might not recognize you when you come up. Don't be upset, you know. And you came up, and he was like tail wag. He was he recognized you. He was very yeah. exciting. Yeah. If you watch the video and you watch his body language, it almost it's kind of cool. You can see when he recognizes you. Yeah. And he, it's like a Disney movie. It's like all of a sudden he turns totally. into that little pet, and that was really cool to see. And and Shelter Sheik, Brittany Feldman, and the Intuitive Walker, Jim Tierney brought guy home after two months and a lot of wild cards and unknown factors in brooklyn and new york city 
you you guys, it's you two that did it. And it was my first flyer, though. I will say that. But, yeah. uh, but it, it never would have happened without you guys. And uh, I owe you everything. I mean, you guys are well, so supportive. Well, we own 10% of this show now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I make money, you'll know. But uh, I'm just so fucking grateful. I mean, I, I owe you guys my life. I really do. And I'll, I got your back till the day I die. But in closing... What would you guys like to say, you know, either about yourselves, your organization, the story, or just any kind of notes for those listening? I, I would say the biggest thing is because now all I'm seeing everywhere is lost animals. I would and say. And I'm sure because of the thing didn't go that viral, but it got a lot of views and you guys both got contacted. Yeah, I yeah. would say the biggest thing I'd like to say is anyone who is missing their pet, the best thing to do, like flyers, flyers, flyers with with which Jim had said, um, posting on the Nextdoor app, Facebook. There's Facebook Lost and Found groups of Brooklyn Lost and Found. You know, you just ring. have to do it. Yeah. Ring, ring app, Citizen app, actually, you can do as well. But they let you post um, once. So I'm they kinda, let you post yeah, once, yeah. but some you never know. Um, and then when you're also posting, post for volunteers to print and hang flyers, tag rescue groups, they'll share. Um, get it out on social media. Get out how much... You need help also hanging flyers because it it ended up being the flyers, which it's a lot of ground to cover one or two people. Yeah. So anyone who wants to help can literally hang five flyers that day. And that's a huge help. Jim, I would just say, you know, if you haven't lost a dog, the first thing you should do is just Google something basic as a feral dog, how to approach it. You'll know right away that. Everything you want to go do, you shouldn't do. You shouldn't have search parties of people. That's not going to help because, once again, you're going to scare the dog. So I would say you want to think of the dog as finding him in a spot where he's comfortable, leaving him there, and then slowly finding a way through either hiring a tracker trapper. But you, you do not want to try and grab your dog. And so that's what I would say. I'd say just don't chase. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Well, and, and keep looking. Sorry, yeah. and keep looking, and don't give up hope because there's stories of people after years finding their animals. So you know, um, yeah. I, I don't think it will surprise anyone that I'm kind of a dark guy in actor despairs, and uh, <laughs> this was really my first happy ending experience. So I love you guys. Thank you so we much. Love you too. Shelter Chic, the Intuitive Walker, Brittany Philman, Jim Tierney, guys. You guys are uh, Ace Ventura pet detectives. <laughs> <laughs> such a compliment. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. It was such a pleasure having you. And uh, please, I'm gonna I'm gonna tag them, follow, support them, donate, donate. And uh, if you see someone else with a missing dog, donate. You know, uh, it, even if it's five dollars. It goes a long way. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.